Welcome to the Lions Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Monday evening teaching. I'd like to do some meditation before um, I talk about tenants. Um, sometimes when people are maybe in the temple, they think, oh, I, I have to do uh, shamatha practice. Uh, when sitting here, right? Um, but all of you uh, have at least had some introduction to Mahamudra and Dzogchen. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, for this class anyway, because we're scholar practitioners here, correct? Um, uh, when we have some meditation time before and after a talk, then... Uh, you know, endeavor uh, to uh, do some uh, Dzogchen practice. It, it's funny, like sometimes Mahamudra and Dzogchen is like presented as uh, only do it if you do it absolutely right. <laughs> so that's impossible, okay? So. Uh, <coughs> The good part, uh, well, the difficult part with shamatha is that actually uh, it, it takes generally warm up in some ideal conditions. Um, at least, you know, when we're starting. Uh, but even, uh, uh, you know, under ideal conditions, um, it's hard to do, right? But even under difficult conditions, so let's say uh, I'm crossing Alhambra Boulevard and <laughs> there's a truck headed right for me, right? So I'm not going to do shamatha practice. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm recognizing the situation very quickly and either jumping out of the way, um, recognizing, that would be first thing, recognizing uh, uh, dharmata right there, nature mind right there, or doing a semi-okay poa practice. <laughs> because you don't have time to kind of go, okay, I'm going to just, you know, <laughs> rest my mind, you know. Uh, so uh, an important value of uh, Atta Yoga and all the higher teachings is that they're, they're just immediate, you see. So in a way, they're, uh, they're more uh, useful for daily life, which is full of abrupt changes and difficult situations. So you don't have time to kind of like get into, you know, a meditative state, just like that, right? So uh, practicing uh, the immediacy uh, Dzogchen, uh, practicing the immediacy of Mahamudra is important. <clears throat> That's why, you know, I uh, want people to continue to be re- viewing the Ganges Mahamudra and Gaur Dorji and uh, three points with Patarimshe's um, commentary. Because at times of, uh, you know, real crisis, um, you're not going to have that much time. 
realistic, we'll have a lot of time to kind of, like we're dying or something, we'll have a lot of time to kind of, okay, just sit me up and, you know. No. So we want to be able to do the immediacy practices in uh, a difficult and sometimes uh, unideal environment. Temple practice like this, no one does shamatha in temple practice, right? No one, because it's always assumed you're going to be in your cell or out, you know, sitting somewhere outside for, you know, weeks and weeks or hours and hours. So uh, you're either doing ritual practice or you're just immediately present there. So I'm, I'm a, whatever practice we're doing um, is okay, but uh, at least a scholar practitioner should say, okay, um, I need to do an immediacy practice because I'm driving here from work or home and just slammed into being with a bunch of people with bright lights, even though we know all each other. It's kind of like, whoa, how did I get here? Uh, so we, we need the immediacy practice, recognizing uh, the nature of mind uh, without distraction. Don't you agree? Say, why not? Think, yeah, okay. <clears throat> So uh, that immediacy is uh, not just a nifty thing so you feel like you're closer to reality where it's uh, an absolutely essential for practice, uh, real life practice. There's no time to say, uh, okay, could you just give me a minute and I'd like to calm down before you, you know, turn off the... You know the vent or something, you know, or before the car hits you. So <clears throat> I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but with all of us know that things can happen very quickly, and that's why we also want to make sure we're always training to uh, the unmediated practices, right? The you know unelaborated practices. Yeah. Right now, uh, the folks that are going to finish reading the universal discourse literature have finished it. <laughs> you know, so so uh, I'm going to set out send out some essay questions and questions uh, for those people. So hopefully, in a couple of days. So uh, there might be a question to see if you've actually read the last couple of lines. So. <laughs> we'll see. <clears throat> so this month we're starting uh, with a book um, that has uh, a fairly cold-looking monk sitting, cutting through appearances. Who has this already? Yeah, that's great. Um, this, uh, these, these kind of. Um, Shawls or winter shawls. You don't. They don't have these in India. You don't need them. They're really heavy duty, um, and uh, yeah. But what what isn't comfy is uh, well, the hat's comfy too. Um, but uh, there, you're you're just sitting on. Um, Cement, or, or you're sitting on, you know, flagstone, 
there's, there, there's no little cushions. <laughs> You're sitting there through like a four-hour debate. So when our tukas get all tight here in an hour, hour and a half, we're sitting on nice cushions. You're, you know, it's like that's, you know, and you have to pay attention. So um, when, when I see this monk here, probably some people think, oh, that's so nifty. He's having a great time. <laughs> I'm thinking, now he's gone. He's thinking, let it be over now. Let it be over. <laughs> you know, let it be over. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But, you know, we always project things on uh, monks and nuns like they're having a great time. But chances are his butt is cold. Let's all get out, even though he has this on. It's really, I just love this cover. So, uh, this book has uh, a long meditation, uh, then followed by, uh, which is very detailed, followed by tenants. Um, if, if you're paying attention, you'll notice that um, some of the wording uh, in um, this short meditation manual um, that's on the three principal aspects of the path, uh, some of it's very similar to the refuge sadhana that we have. Just a little hint. <clears throat> to uh, engage in doing tenants' work, we, we want to do a, some meditation ahead of time. So it's very appropriate that uh, this was included. But what are the tenets? The tenets are distilling the essential points of uh, the doctrine down to the, the most irreducible propositions. So uh, it's very much like the immediacy uh, of uh, Dzogchen and Mahamudra, except it's the immediacy of conceptual recognition. They didn't have this kind of organization in India. Uh, and the organization of the schools and the organization of the tenants, as some people know, is, is a Tibetan um, fabrication, right? They did it for didactic purposes. <coughs> But the point I want to make is that the, uh, the immediacy of the intellect, like recognizing something immediately, is just as important as non-conceptual recogni- recognition of absolute awareness. The Tibetans are very big on um, just get it like that. So the other imagination about... Um, Monasteries, and I'm talking a little bit because we're preparing for Venerable Children's visit. Is that it's slow, and <laughs> people are um, moving slowly. Well, there are times you're moving slowly when you enter and exit, particularly enters some you know the large hall or something. But um, it's just my most ama- the weirdest thing. Uh, that stays with me is that like one's teacher or, or somebody will say, okay, we're going. <laughs> and you're just sitting there kind of like this. Um, 
So like James, you have your coat like that. And like, we say, okay, we're going. And I would like walk like right out the building really fast. And if you didn't have your coat on and you're ready to go, you'd miss the ride. It's so fast, you know, you're just going like And you know, there's no time for like thinking like you're putting on your robe and it's nice and take your time and the little foldies. Everything's so fast. Yeah, people have this idea that uh, monks and geshes are kind of like Oxford dons where it's very, yeah, everything's very kind of, you know, they're putting on their glasses real slow. Hi, we're studying Cicero now. You know, no, it's like it moves very quickly and there's, there's an emphasis on immediacy even in the study part of it, particularly in debates. You, you're not able to kind of go, well, let me think about that, you know. Um, there are ways to stall, but <clears throat> the emphasis is uh, in the meditation uh, and the tenets, the higher meditation of the tenets is immediacy. Okay? The, the warm-up, the foundation for that is slow. So very lamrim, you know, you're studying just like you're doing shamatha and then vipassana and lojong and deity yogas and you're working up the various uh, levels of tantra. <clears throat> so it's interesting that the, the warm-up is kind of really slow but, um, you know, once, once you're engaged then it's really fast. So there's uh, this contrast and this blending of fast and slow. Just like in Mahamudra particularly, there's a, uh, you're looking at the moving mind and you're looking at the not moving mind. So here you're looking at the fast, we're doing slow and we're doing fast. So you want to balance, them. yeah we're doing a lot of study, but the point is to be able to just be able to produce right on the spot. Otherwise, what good is it? You can't say to people, well, I'll get back to you in a few minutes on everything, can you? No. We have to be able to do both. We're training towards being able to give uh, a rational, logical, relatively direct perception answer right away just as we're uh, training towards recognizing uh, absolute reality, nature of awareness right away too. So in Tibetan system, uh, it feels like kind of a, a long jump, like there's a long run and then you jump. So it's a long jump, it's not like you're standing still and then you jump, it's kind of like Anybody ever try long jump? <laughs> you know, I don't know how far back do you go. Pretty far back, right? And you just build, and then then you jump and like that. So we're we're doing a lot. You know, sometimes the other schools think, well, we're spending so much time doing long rim and steady, but we're backing up a lot for a very long jump. But once the jump happens, it's very immediate, like that. It's kind of like you're you're off the diving board. <clears throat> so that, that's why tenets is important because you're training towards 
you know, getting the key points, the pith instructions, if you will, you know, very quickly. Maybe we'll stop here for some questions. Probably no one's been reading it yet. So maybe Ellen has. I see bookmark there. Oh, good. Thank you. You always ask good questions. Go ahead. So I got to the tenants part of this this morning, and I thought it was interesting because um, it was or helpful because he said that this kind of came about as, I don't know, I take it as like a cultural shift, um, and especially in Tibet, like you said, where they all of a sudden decided it was important to look at all the history of the lower schools, and especially because it's so important to realize emptiness, you know, that it's, as you look at the lower schools, you sort of, it helps to reinforce then the, you know, the higher schools. So I, I don't think I had that interpretation of tenants before. I, I thought it was more like you said, sort of the, the gist. But it's almost like a study, scholarly study of the evolution of the schools. But it's a little bit different than um, what, you're, what you said, I think. The, um, yeah, I mean, the tenants build. There's a progression of tenants, that's true. Um, and they ordered them. Uh, I, I, uh, it's, it's a build-up in a sense. It's kind of like you're bouncing on the diving board. <laughs> you know, you're getting a little bounce off of like the exposition school. You get a little bounce off of that, and then you, you, you bounce a little higher. And then, you know, once you get to Prasangika, then you take your dive like that. Yeah, you know, another thing that I really liked is it said it wasn't just to um, to prove the lower schools wrong. You know, it seems like there's always talk about what was wrong with what they thought and what were the shortcomings, but it wasn't mm. just for that. It was more to reinforce, really, the reality as the higher schools came to know of it. Uh, I don't remember... Jeffrey Hopkins says exactly reinforce or not. Um, it's true. Once, once you, you know, the idea is to build up a sense of uh, no doubt like that. But, um, yeah, I'm sure I'm not using the right word. Yeah. Yeah, well, for example, it says, since it's no easy matter to penetrate the thick veil of false facades and misconceptions, it became popular in the more scholarly circles of India to investigate not just what the current traditions considered to be the best fit, or the best and final system, but also the supposedly lower systems. Yeah, um, well, that's why I see it as, like, getting your balance going or... Yeah, getting the run, you're kind of running up to it, or you're bouncing, and then, you know, we would, I don't know, would you say the first bounce is inferior to the final bounce before you dive, you know what I mean? 
we, we have to have the first bounce to get to the second bounce to get to the third bounce and, and go to the jump, something like that. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I think what you said and what I read now are making sense as being the same, that it's, um, you know, understanding the development, the development of the process. I think I thought uh, before that it was all about being able to pick apart these different arguments, and I always thought to myself, why? You know, well, who cares, really? But it's the way it's represented here, that's not what it's for. It's really for the benefit of trying to understand it well. Yeah, I mean, there is uh, uh, a little bit, uh, well, there's picking apart <laughs> at some point. Uh, what we really want to do, in a sense, is kind of, uh, is you you want to almost kind of buy into it, that way of thinking, you know, and and then, and then be kind of like, then then see the limitations of the thinking. So you you don't get quite the, the, you know, like that. So that's what I'm trying to emphasize tonight is that the immediacy style, uh, the very almost martial arts style of, of doing scholarly work as, as well as uh, doing Ati Yoga like that. So it, it, it isn't just, uh, you know, so there's kind of a, like a warm-up phase, a gradual like this, but then, uh, <laughs> then it gets choppy like that, like maybe you're gradually walking, walking, you know, do you ever dive off a high dive, you know what? It always seems like such a long, you know, climb. Like, but at, you know, so but then you still have to get up and bounce, like that. So the lumber is kind of you're climbing up to get up to this spot, but then uh, you don't just kind of drop off the cliff. You you get the bounce, and that's that's the neat part about doing the tenets. Yes. <coughs> seems like it's kind of right there in the Heart Sutra. Yes, also empty of inherent existence. Implies that previous tenant that the uh, Shravakas realized the emptiness of self. Yeah, so uh, you know, that's why you know the long commentary on the Heart Sutra is so interesting. That was my Lankara, so yeah. Okay, your real question is... <laughs> Uh, it seems like this is, uh, I have not read this yet, uh, but uh, a garland of views seems like the prototype by Guru Rinpoche, Babasambhala. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's all in there from the beginning. I mean, you know, um, uh, it has an Abhidharma quality about it where. The sutras are kind of here, like kind of um, most Dharma talks are kind of to get you kind of enthusiastic about doing the practice and talk and make you feel kind of like you're you're you know you're you're on the you're on the boat together. <laughs> but you know what exactly? What's the technique? What do you exactly do? Is kind of that pith abhidharma tenant kind of style, uh, very you know pith instructions like that. <clears throat> Yeah, so garland of use. Yeah, those those uh, very uh, in the person at a particular time 
to a person's particular uh, level of realization, yeah. So they tried to systematize um, that. Well, in Garland Reviews, I think it's interesting how he makes a point to show that the ultimate view is not different from the Mahayana and the Dzogchen. Yeah. So that's also emphasize. Although he emphasizes the difference all of the way through, and you you get the clarification all the way through what's 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 the advances. You also see the continuity, and and in a in a sense, almost like the primary difference is speed. Yeah, the difference and and kind of. Uh, one's one's a very long. Uh, French dinner, and, and the other one's like, like just uh, getting a, a croissant, you know, <laughs> real fast at breakfast. <laughs> protein. Yeah, protein drink or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from a, a practice kind of point of view, I'm trying to emphasize how the study um, gets uh, you in this certain kind of energetic state. You see. So it's not just collecting information. It's, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> you ever try to move a really big refrigerator? You, you have to, you know, and it, it's always in this tight space, of course, and the rollers are always stuck or something. So you have to do this to get it out, right? So the, the style of practice, once we get really down to it, is like that. <laughs> so the, the the tenants build up a certain kind of after we do the uh, long rim and do shamatha kind of style gradual then then you have this bouncing kind of style like that so it's very kind of like debating bouncing you know shifting kind of thing um, uh, and uh, some people don't like that. So um, that's why we, kind of we, like we, uh, would just say, well, they like doing Mahayana, but they don't want to do any Tantra. Because I, or the te- a teacher, so it's going to, like, you're going along nice, and then all of a sudden this. See? And we're training to, like, go along, go along, all of a sudden this. Right? Because that's real life, isn't it? Everything was going really great, and then, you know, this is what I hear all day. Everything was going great, <laughs> and then this happened, right? You know, or usually it's everything was going great, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. But the emphasis was kind of like, how did, you know, everything was kind of, this was my plan, and then, whoop, right? Doesn't everyone's suffering come as kind of a, like a big surprise? Like, I had no idea. <laughs> of course, it was a karmic buildup, but it's always kind of like that. So in the study and the practice, we, we build it up so that you're used to kind of like uh, this blend of kind of gradual, and then all of a sudden, you know, do a 180. Well, there was some movie... Or maybe it's like Get Shorty, some mob movie where, or maybe lots of movies where they're driving, you know, they're being followed on a bridge, 
so is this car chase thing. And then they slam on the brakes, and then they do a 180 on George Washington Bridge or something like that. <laughs> a lot of movies. Yeah, a lot of movies are like that. You know, is that, is that kind of uh, that uh, 180 ability to do that emotionally and uh, mentally that we need to train to? Mm. So we take a short break and stretch and then come back. <laughs> yeah, we can start. Just two minutes. Two minutes stretch and then come back. <laughs> so Good cop is generally when I go, yes, yes, that's great, do that, yeah, okay, that's great, good. And then bad cop is when I say, no. <laughs> right? It's just like that. So that's why I say, I'm everyone's lama until I say no, right? Yeah, and then, you know, I go, well, no. Yeah, I mean, that's always hard. That's always bad when we don't get what we want, right? Or we we get what we don't want, so that, that's bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who's in charge? You know. So, yeah. So that that's bad. Bad cops always like no. You know. It is more than saying no. Yeah. I mean, well, it is true. It is saying no. It feels like that. Like suddenly, it, it could be like, or maybe absence of yes. Um, yeah. It, it's a great quote from Trunk Rimshe. It can be abused, of course, but he said the, the, the role of the teacher is to insult you. But, I mean, some people can handle zero criticism. I mean, you just cannot handle any, anything. You know, you just say, well, no, that's not a realization of emptiness. That's, you know, that's maybe second or third level of shamatha, you know, I mean, that, that, that could come across as being really wrathful, right? Yeah. These are comfortable chairs, the red ones. Are they? Yeah. Patty got them. Yeah, the blue ones are back in the dojo now. These look good. these look good though. Yeah, they do. They look good. Okay, have we have we lost anybody?
So in, in these Monday talks, um, I do want to give people accurate information about uh, what some of the truths we're supposed to realize are, but uh, it's equally, so we could say that's a little bit like uh, Madhyamaka approach, right? Just like, this is it. But the, the Yogacara approach, in a way, is also like, what's, what's the tone and what's it feel like to, to do the practice? So uh, if we just read these texts like university-style texts, like we're in a college course somewhere at UCLA or Berkeley, you won't get the flavor of the teaching. So that's why in this course, you know, I've required people to be, uh, you know, refuge Dharma students. So we're, we're bringing our real-life experience and uh, commitment to the study. Because it's just different. So it, it's meant to be a little bit of a struggle to kind of like, what, what's going on here? Because it's meant to kind of be a little bit overawed. So you come away from a class with a teacher like, I don't know, I'll never get this. And, you know, but you hang in there. So if you haven't had the experience of, I have no idea what a lama or the book or the Shastra is about, then you're not reading it properly. You have to have that experience of, I have no idea. You know, we should be reading the Heart Sutra going, I have no freaking idea what this is about. <laughs> right? If you don't have that experience, you're not really delving into it. If you kind of go, yeah, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. No, just, you, you kind of go like, no, this, yeah, no, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make sense, or just like, no, it, it can't be, right? And, but we keep studying, yes. Reassuring to know that you're not supposed to—I mean, you're not supposed to get it. It's hard stuff, and that's a motivation to keep going. Actually, <coughs> yeah. uh, like it's not like yeah. you're failing. It's no. There's nothing to fail, but that's your motivation. You say, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to get it. Just keep on trucking. Yeah. The the real traditional tantric way is it's a, like almost. Uh, and I'm not making this up. Uh, almost every time you meet with your teacher, almost in tears because you, you can't figure out what they're doing, you know, where you went wrong, what the text is about. So there's this, this kind of surrender happening. And that's the hardest thing to kind of teach in, a, in America and particularly in a temple structure. You know, just completely showing up with this kind of like, you know, just like, okay, um, I give up feeling, but you're still interested, right? You're not really giving up totally, but you're kind of giving up. You're you're full of opinions, right? And you're kind of surrendered emotionally, so you could be just on the verge of tears, like and you know, like that. And that 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 kind of style of teaching is really hard to do in America, because people are kind of like, you know, we're geared to study in a different way, don't you think? Yes, sir. I've, I had two experiences this week where something I thought I knew I didn't know or I didn't know on the level that it was being presented. Uh, one of them was, what, what's altruism? I was reading a book by the Dalai Lama mm-hmm. and he said, you know, 
we think it's wanting to do good things for other people, but it's this instantaneous feeling of wanting to do that, mm -hmm. which was a whole different level of looking at it. Mm -hmm. And the other one was I was reading something by Tubton Children um, about contemplating emptiness, and she made a correction about not looking for the emptiness in herself, but finding this place where we have this question, we have this attachment, we have this issue going on, and then saying, now in that place, where is the self? So looking at the selflessness. So I was wondering, along with that, a question. When we are contemplating the emptiness of self, how do we go about doing that? Well, that's a 2,500-year question. Uh, there's different styles. So I, I like to teach two, basically the answer to two styles. One, one, one is to um, bring up the conventional self uh, really strongly, or misperceived self, sorry, really strongly uh, first. Like, you know, when we've been insulted or we're, you know, in fear or something like that. And then, you know, really look at it either with direct perception or analytically, right? Um, the, the other way is to also examine conventional self when we're just saying, I'm going to the store. And the other way is to uh, look through, in a sense, looking through the relative self just directly to the nature of mind, right? So I, I think it's important to train in all different ways, uh, because uh, if we just train in one way, we think we're being complete and we took care of it, but uh, it's really useful to look at um, selflessness, so to speak, from, from different perspectives, not just from Dzogchen perspective, but also from Abhidharma and also you know, the analytic Vipassana side. So there are times that we just, to you know, to see that self is irrelevant, right? It's very much a uh, Dzogchen approach, or it's just irrelevant. You, you know, we don't need it to seeing self as, as really painful or to have it kind of in our face. So these are different kind of uh, uh, skillful means. Yeah, like that. And the, the, the thing in real life, of course, if you always know that you know, you're always kind of like, okay, give me the analytic right now, or okay, give me the insult me now, and then I'll see. <laughs> you, know, you know, you can't plan it like that. For th for this kind of training, you can plan it. It's kind of like working out on a mat in the dojo, but in real life, it's not planned. You can't just say, um, well, you know, just approach me this way, so I can do my practice this way. You know, like, people fight dirty, right? <laughs> Life fights dirty. It, like that. You're not always... Uh, uh, one of my Dzogchen teachers said, uh, it's not coming, you know, with the flag, with the red flag from far away. <laughs> it's coming from behind and hitting you in the back of the head. Yeah, it's ambushed, yeah. We have time for uh, another meditation, I think. These are good questions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
I'd like to say just a few words about posture, because um, <clears throat> I notice even I get sometimes lazy. Uh, generally, whether we have our hands like on our thighs or whether you're on, you know, you know, down a mudra, um, the, there's like some space here. So the, you're having Garuda wings. Right, so um, when we're when we're sitting in, uh, you know, the model is always like full lotus, which is difficult for me to even sit in now. But you know, you're you're watching. You know, if you look at the pictures, they're like this, because you you want this open here. So likewise, so if if you're rolling, um, so you're 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 still having a little bit of like. You know, like you could kind of hold your ping pong ball there, so it's it's not like you know you're not just kind of they're not just kind of flat against your um, sides. There's a little bit of you know like your kind of your wings are out. Yeah, I mean it's, you're not sitting there like this, but you know they're not just kind of flattened down against so. When we're not sitting in a lotus posture, the tendency is like our hands go like way out, <laughs> like this, you know, drop really low down by, you know, you're, so you're kind of like this. You know, of course, that rolls the shoulders forward, so you, you want to think that, you know, they're actually a little bit out like that. So, Vairochana um, posture, you know, but, but even in kind of Mahasiddha posture where your hands are in your, you know, you're, you're not there. I don't know, you know, you see all the yoga kind of things in there, Hindu things, and they're all kind of like, <laughs> but we, 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 want your, we want you to be Garudas, right? So. Is that for shoulder alignment, or is there another functional reason for that? It has to do with all the winds in the channels, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different, because we're, <laughs> yeah, we're doing, we're doing that, you know. Yeah, a little bit out. That might be a little bit strong, you know. Yeah, just where you were was kind of. It's, you know, it's just that this a little bit. Yeah, they're just not like drooped. You know, your your wings are a little bit spread. This is, yeah, like you're, you know, you're a little flying a little bit. So, you know, so it, one it prevents the shoulders from being rolled forward, but it also, you know. Um, you know, all these channels, like, when, when I was doing um, Salung yoga with Namkai Norbu, you know, he was always going, his rant was like, Milarepa is not listening to, you know, this is, you know, like, you're opening this up here, like this, right? So it's not like, no, he knows what the birds sound like, he didn't have to go, hey, what's up? No, no, this, you're, you're, you're opening up certain channels this way. Well, this like you're opening this up, see? Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah, you're opening these. So that's why, um, you know, like we're doing a nine breaths. You know, you're you're kind of like. Well, this yeah, this yeah, I know. So it's always like do this, do this, do this. Now relax. You know, I, I know. 
but uh, eventually it, it does become the most relaxing way to have the channels open and be in line with gravity. So the other classic thing is that you're you're sitting as if you're stacking coins, like that. You know, you're, so obviously if coins were might, you know, you wouldn't be able to stack very many if it was off balance. It doesn't really fit anatomically because we know it's curved, but there's that there's the experience of being totally in line with gravity. Mm-hmm. Garuda, Garuda wings. Fly to the Garuda. Should I'll be reading Fly to the Garuda, right? There's a, a book by one of my favorite uh, <laughs> yogis, Shabkar's is nickname, Whitefoot, called Flight of the Garuda. Garuda. G-A-R-U-D-A. Like Garuda Airlines. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit Lion's Roar Dharma Center dot org.